0: scripture this morning comes from Matthew 17, verses 14 through 20. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this to the mountain. Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you.
1: There was a great question in that reading. Why couldn't we do that? I hope you spend some time Reflecting on that, trying to answer it yourself, but also asking God about it. It's a great question. I wanted to just make mention of the fact that the centerpiece on the communion table is in honor and the, the memory of Garth Wise. We had his service here on Friday and I uh, want to continue to pray for, for Donna and the family. Uh, they are just a, a wonderful, loving family and it's a, it was a shock. It truly was a shock. Uh, they Not that anybody's ever prepared for but keep them in your prayers. The second thing is you probably were aware that yesterday we had a worship festival of sorts. It was a little bit on the small side, but uh, out at the farm. And uh, it was there from 12. I think we finished up somewhere around 4 o'clock. We had a number of different people leading worship. We even had ukulele praise. It was wonderful. If you've never had ukulele praise... You should try it sometime. You get your own, and you can sit there and play through the hymns and, and sing along with it. Anyway, it was a great time. The presence of God was there, and I wanted to thank just all the people. A lot of work went into that, the setting up, the the, the, the rehearsing for that, all of it. But thanks to all of those people involved, it was a great, wonderful time. All right. Well, if you can imagine a younger me... A little bit over, I know it was over 37 years ago, it was probably over 38 years ago, um, Terry and I, uh, we were dating, not, not even engaged, but dating, and we were at the Mincy Trail Inn. Those of you who are aware of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, know that the Mincy Trail Bridge used to go over the Bethlehem Steel, right through the middle of the steelworks, And on the north side of that, there was this inn there, and it had a long history, had some wonderful food. And we were sitting there, and it was crowded. We got there. We hadn't made a reservation. There was no room in the dining room, so they asked if we didn't want to sit in the bar area. And we said, we can get by with that. And they put us at a table for two, one of those tables that really is for about a half a person, but they put two on there. And and we were there, and immediately next to us Was another young couple, and they were obviously married. They were uh, maybe a little bit younger than we were, but not that much younger. Um, You know, but they were there, and uh, we didn't get to know them. And there's a reason we didn't get to know them because when we sat down to get ready for our dinner, they were already engaged in their dinner and engaged in conversation. And what a conversation it was! They were fighting. They were fighting. Uh, And it was, you know, it was actually pretty brutal as they're fighting. But here's the funny thing about it. It was full of terms of endearment. The one that Terry and I can agree on was this, because we thought this was the funniest thing, uh, was this. Well, whose car is it, dear? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Ever been around and used terms of endearment? love terms as weapons. Have you heard anybody doing that? Oh my goodness, that's what was going on. Words as weapons. Terms of endearments as weapons. Now, I'm, I'm, I focus on that because how we hear things, how we say things have an impact. It's not just the words and the meanings of the words. It's how they're said and, and how others hear them. And 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 in the scriptures, we can read something and we can hear it in a certain way. And you've got to check that. How am I hearing that? Others can read it and get a totally different hearing of that. Now, I want you to, th- I want you to think about that as we look at faith in the kingdom. These last, last two weeks, and this week and next week, I'm kind of wrapping up Matthew's gospel. We finished the line by line. But I wanted to ask you to think about big picture items as you're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. Talking about the king, living under a king, Jesus is our king. Talking about living in a kingdom, that was last week. And then this week is faith in the kingdom. It shares in Matthew's Gospel, uh, it's kind of neck and neck with Luke's Gospel, the number of times faith is mentioned. You know, marginally, Matthew's ahead, a little bit. But hands down, in Matthew's gospel, you will find a phrase that only occurs once in Luke's gospel. Little faith. O you of little faith. It has its own word in the Greek. It comes from the word for faith, but they add a little word a prefix to it, and it means little faith, tiny faith, tiny house. Oh, now I'll get distracted. Okay. Little faith. O you of little faith. Your faith is so little. And I want you to remember that because that, that helps us to understand this passage. Now, the passage is, as Marianne read for us, it's a great passage. It, uh, it's kind of at the, almost at the center of the gospel, but it, it happens immediately after the transfiguration when Jesus goes up on the mountain. He's changed. They come down and they find a problem. They, 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 they drop down. Now, faith has been debated in the church for thousands of years. Faith. Big theological f- discussion about it. Things like Jesus' faith. I know it sounds, it sounds simple, right? We think we have a simple understanding, but people debate it. And some people, you just they'll jump all over you if you talk about Jesus' faith. Remember, Jesus was the son of God. And while well, he was the son of man, he was fully God, he was fully man. So how we, it's, they debate that. And in that debate over faith, there's another dimension of the debate of faith. Can God do that? Will God do that? And that's debated. And then there are the boundaries for faith, and that's debated. What boundaries are there faith? You know, and, and it really has to do with faith is not a magical formula. Faith is not some kind of incantation that can cause God to do something for us. It has nothing to do with. There are boundaries to faith because faith comes in terms of the relationship we have with God because faith, in faith we do something and God acts, but it's got to be, you get the idea. Now when Jesus is talking about faith in the Gospel of Matthew, he's not entering into the theological debate. So I'm going to try my hardest here not to enter into any theological debate. If you happen to do that where you are, write it down and put it aside for for you later, okay? If you enjoy that kind of thing, put it aside. We're going to look at this in terms of how Jesus was doing it. And we're going to begin this by asking one simple question. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20, how do you hear... Some of the things Jesus is saying: how do you understand it, and how do you understand the non-verbal or how do you interpret or how do you perceive the nonverbal communication? Well, wait a minute, Walter. We don't have the nonverbal communication that's the point. <laughs> we have the words, so Whether we like it or not, we either supply it ourselves or we have to think about supplying it ourselves. Okay? For example, oh, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How do you hear that? How do you hear that? How do you understand that? It's a true statement. It's a true statement about humanity. It's a true, true statement about the fallen world. It's true about every religious person you know. It's a true about every holy person you know. It was true about the disciples. It's true about us. That's the point, that's where we come from into this relationship with Jesus Christ. From an unbelieving and perver- perverse generation. Unbelieving. It's a simple word. It's the word that's translated sometimes faith. It's a word that's translated believe or belief. It's that same word that, for those of you who like the Greek, it's the pistis or the pistos. Okay, it's that word. But unbelieving simply has a no in front of it, not believing. Unbelieving, not believing, means that they don't have faith we don't have that faith. That's what that means. And that's a true statement. Certainly coming in because faith comes, it's a gift of God. It's not part of who we are as human beings in a fallen world. And then there's the word for, in, 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 in the NIV, in many of the translations, perverse. An adjective. I want to point out the adjective. But it's actually based on a verb. So, The better translation, I believe, is perverted because that has has a sense of what's happened to us. Somewhere along the line, someone corrupted us. Sometimes it's even ourselves. We've engaged in something that has resulted in we have been corrupted. We've been turned aside. We've been misled. It's that moment. We're not really understanding fully what's going on. It's been done to us, and so, but partially, maybe we are to blame. We don't know. But we're not believing, and we've been corrupted in our understanding of this. This is true of all humanity. One of the things we know, all have sinned and come short the glory of God. One of the side effects of that is we all come unbelieving without faith. We all have experienced, because of all the things we've happened, by the way, both inside and outside the church. We've been corrupted. We've been turned away. Now, when you hear unbelieving and perverted, how do you hear that? Raises the question. It's a true statement, but can the truth be spoken in love? Love. That's the question it raises. What about interventions? You ever watch those TV shows or Dr. Phil when they're doing an intervention where people are trying to speak the truth because their loved one is out of control? Alcoholic, drug addict, you know, desperately, you know, some kind of psychological disorder. And they're trying to find that way to speak the truth in love. They attempt to bring the people to their senses. Is it possible? I think it is. Is Jesus speaking in anger and condemnation? Oh, you unbelieving and perverted people. Is that how he's saying it? Some people preach that way. They really do. I just, the more I learn about Jesus, I can't see him doing that. I hear him speak and I hear grief that the people that he's created are in this position. When he speaks, I hear compassion because when they had the opportunity, there were those who had the responsibility of leading them out and they led them astray. When he speaks, I hear the hope of better, the call of better, and I hear a heart of love. Oh, you unbelieving and perverted, and perverse generation. Absolute truth, spoken with absolute love. Hmm. By the way, I have a shorthand version for you, for those who want, want this. This is, a, this is an additional thing. It won't cost you anything more. But when you read Unbelieving and perver- Perverse or Perverted Generation... Think of this, the shorthand of this is what God can't do and what God won't do. Unbelieving, God can't do that. Won't, you know, the, the perverted side of it, God won't do that. Can't or won't. Okay? Just a way of remembering that. Now, this event happens when Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration and, they, and and the crowd runs up to him because they're all upset. And a man comes up to him because he's hurting and upset because he brought his son for Jesus to heal, and he brought the disciples, and the disciples who, by the way, had authority. Remember Matthew chapter ten, verse one? And this is Jesus summoned his disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every sickness. They had the authority, but they couldn't make it happen. So it's made at the report of a human failure. Failure to connect the Holy Spirit to that young man. Failure to connect that young man to the Holy Spirit. We'll actually talk a little bit more about that next week. That's the moment. Jesus speaks about the unbelieving and perverse generation. But in private... The disciples come and they're upset. They're not upset with Jesus for healing what they couldn't do. They're kind of in awe of that. But they want to know, why couldn't we do that? Now (laughs) scholars, don't get sidetracked here. Some of you are sitting here and remembering that there's actually a verse after this, verse 21. I've intentionally left that aside. I'm not going to tell you what the verse is that will force all of you to go look for it, okay? But I'm not going there. I just want to stick on verse 20, okay? Just that, don't get sidetracked right now. Jesus answers them. You couldn't do this because of your little faith. That's a difficult answer. I know because I've prayed for so many and people haven't been healed. I pray for some people to get saved. They haven't been saved yet. I've been praying for some family members for over 40, you know, almost 50 years. They haven't been saved yet. Why not? Well, it's a tough answer, but in this instance... It was because of your little faith. And there's that word again. Now, give it the test again. How do you hear it? The truth is it was because they had little faith, a little bit of faith. Not enough faith is technically what he's saying. But how is he saying it? Is it a put down? Because you're a moron. That's what you hear on television, by the way. That's the big one around here because you're a loser. No, 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 no. There's no judgment there. There's no condemnation there. There's no hopelessness like you're hopeless. No. I've always said this and I think you've heard this before, so let me say it again. I believe it's a term of endearment in the gospel of Matthew. It is true and Jesus is saying it with all the love, absolute love that he has all the hope, and, and forgive me because some of you are going to get, oh, you get a little bit bent out of the ship, even humor. Even a little bit of humor. It functions as for the disciples, as for the rest of humanity, as a call to greater things. How do I know that? Because he goes right to the mustard seed image. Oh my goodness, the mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith is all that's necessary to move a mountain. Remember where he is. Remember the moment he is. He just came out down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Many scholars, not all of them, but I I wouldn't hesitate to say, probably most of them, the majority, believe that that essentially was Mount Hermon, the largest mountain in the Middle East there. Larger than anything down south where God gave the law. It's got snow on the top. Anyway, he just came down there, and so he's got a visual illustration behind him, and he said, if you have small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say, that's all that's necessary, to say to the mountain, move, and it will move. (laughs) It will move. Now, what's interesting in, in the event is The event was dealing with a persistent, pesky, over-aggressive, opportunistic demon who had taken advantage of a young man who undoubtedly had many other issues going on in his life. Okay? Now, this is one of those places where we have to do the math. We have to envision Faith of the size of a mustard seed. You have that. Here's Mount Hermon. It would not... <laughs> you couldn't even get a shoulder of it into this space here. It would probably take up the entire you know, area of Ephrata, maybe even the township. It will move that mountain. That's what Jesus said. And here's this... It'sy bitsy teeny weeny demon. Big mountain, little bitty demon. And they couldn't do that. And that's the point. Oh, you of little faith. It's really focusing the fact on the reality is, is the faith of the disciples wasn't even up to a tiny Mustard seed. Again, a difficult truth statement. But again, out of a loving, hopeful, even humorous, calling disciples to a higher life. Because how does the verse end? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did, what did, what did Marianne say? Nothing is impossible. Nothing will be impossible to you. I want to stop there and I want to ask you, do you believe that? Because that's the faith problem right there. Do you believe that? (laughs) I want to ask you to consider next time you get into Matthew's gospel, use the concept of faith to help you look at the gospel and understand the gospel. Uh, for, 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 For example, little faith. How many times? Five times, little faith. Oh, little faith! But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, tomorrow is thrown into the furnace. Will He not much more clothe you? So what you're going to wear? Oh, you of little faith! Why are you worried about that? He said to them, "Why are you afraid, men of little faith?" That's when he, the, the 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 storm is raging, and He's sleeping in the boat. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus, aware of this, you men of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you have no bread? Provision. On and on again. Jesus just goes on and on that. Those are the little faith ones. Now, there's another group of scriptures in this passage, and it's the attaboy passages. That's what I call them. I had to give them a name. There are five of them. Jesus heard this. He was amazed and said to those who were following, let's see if you can place this, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. He's talking about the centurion, right? He's talking about the Gentile having great faith. It's an attaboy. Matthew 9, 2. They brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher. And seeing their faith, those who brought this paralyzed man. He speaks to the paralyzed man. Their faith, not the paralyzed man, not Jesus's. Take courage and your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9, Same chapter. There's three of these in the same chapter. Jesus turning saw her. This woman, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Matthew nine twenty nine. then he touched their eyes, saying, It should be done to you for you according to your faith. And they see. Well, he sees. Then Jesus said to her, Matthew fifteen twenty eight. Woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at once. Those are attaboys. And those two things dominate Jesus' and the Gospel of Matthew's use of faith. Little faith and those who had great faith. It's a great way to look at it. By the way, in the attaboys, there are five of them. Two of them are women. Okay, so atta girls. Okay, you do the math. You get that. Okay. And then there's the repeat passage. The one that comes back to us. This is hard, because in Matthew 17, whew, we got past that one, but then Jesus brings it up again in Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, the disciples, because they saw the fig tree with her, if you have faith, you don't doubt, you'll not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain... Be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive receive it all. Faith. Now, the debate. Even now, I know as I'm preaching this, because you struggle with this. Why isn't my prayer being answered? Why isn't this? And I've prayed, and you have, and you have. I have. And I can hear Jesus literally saying to me, Walter, because of your little faith. And I and, and I don't hear it as a condemnation anymore. Oh, I used to. Oh golly, I used to. I don't hear it as that anymore. I hear it as the call to keep going. I hear it as the call to to not get into the debate about the faith of Jesus and and what you can't, what he can't do and what he won't do and back and forth. I'm reminded that in Ephesians 2.8, it does say, even as I read earlier, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this faith is not of yourselves. This faith is the gift of God. I'm reminded of how, in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, when Jesus is baptized, Jesus comes immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him, and behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. That's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. That's where we're going next week. That the rest of Matthew's Gospel happens with the Holy Spirit resident in Jesus. And that's a matter of faith. Matthew's Gospel is all about kingdom living. Kingdom living, we talked about that already. Sermon on the Mount, how, impossible can it, how more impossible can it get than the law? Well, there's the Sermon on the Mount, even more. Then there's the miracles and the signs and wonders. Is it even impossible to live like this in the kingdom? That's what we struggle with. But even when you ask the question, is it even possible, faith is what you believe. Uh, I don't know that's possible. You're talking about the littleness of our faith. You're talking about what we come to the table with, what what we bring to the table, which is from unbelief and from being turned, misled, and perverted. What God can't do, what God won't do, what God can do, what God will do. In the Gospel of Matthew, examine it. In your own life, examine your faith. This isn't a time to to go through that condemnation and all of that stuff and everything. It's not a time to get sidetracked into the theological nonsense. And and too many in the church have done that. There's a place for that. But I want us to hear the hope-filled, loving intervention of Jesus in this. It's all about that. Yes, unbelieving. Yes, we've been turned away. We're working against the, it's like we're working against the tide, but in us is the Holy Spirit getting us. In us is the word of God. There's faith that's coming. There's the normal faith that comes, and we, we haven't kind of grabbed hold of all of that, but there's the word of God that more faith would come in all of us, and, and, and all of us. And yes, why couldn't we do this? And it's because a little, oh, I get it, but it's not a call to despair. It's not that. It is a call, a challenge to kingdom living. (laughs) Truly I say to you, if you have faith, if you don't doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree but even if you say to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer believing, you will receive it all. It raises the question, does your prayers matter? Do your prayers matter? And your answer is a matter of your faith. Faith is what you believe about that. And then, of course, do all you can to increase it. Pray for it. There's that great encounter Jesus has, and the man says, increase my faith increase my faith. Cry out to him. Do the things that you need to do to increase your faith. Again, Romans ten seventeen. Word of God helpful for that. Do you believe that God every day, you know, has, and, you know, daily bread includes all the grace and mercy and and all that stuff that we have so difficult time imagining—not just well, tomorrow's going to be a day you're going to get about ten percent, you know, shot for for faith. No, every day something comes, and with that, we've got to find we've got to find new ways and the, and fuller ways to receive and accept and access everything that God's given it, and it's part of that just 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 speaking it, God. This day, you are giving me so much stuff I don't know how to handle. I don't know how to access. But I'm welcoming everything you can and increase my faith. It's always a challenge to step up to that and receive every attaboy he sends you. I was sharing in a conversation about someone who had surgery this week. And when they went in, it was a shoulder surgery, and when they went in, They expected one thing, and they didn't find everything that they expected. In fact, it was so much easier. And specifically, I prayed, and people in this church prayed, and they laid hands on him, and they anointed him, and all of that. And that was an answer to prayer. And that's God's attaboy. By the way, every healing, every recovery... Even when it's the common cold and you get better. Even when you get through the flu and you get better. Every healing is from God. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Medicine's great. Being able to do the operation is all good. But every healing comes from the Father. Everyone. Receive every attaboy. Every time you've prayed for someone, receive it. Don't let it go to your head. Guard your heart and mind with that. You know, you're not ready to go on tour and do a healing ministry tour. That's not what it's about. It's just, it's just the normal, everyday kind of thing. I want us to conclude our service here, our time here, again by praying together. It's in your bulletin, this covenant prayer. This is this kingdom prayer about our relationship here. And it's applicable to this faith thing. Let's pray it together. Join with me in reciting this. Let's pray. I am no longer my own. I am yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you, or brought low by you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are mine, and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.